Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusak, and this week my guest is Golf Week and USA Today senior writer Steve DiMeglio. In the podcast you're about to hear, Steve and I discuss comments made by Rory McIlroy, who said in an interview that the majority of the players want to push back the 2020 Ryder Cup to 2021 because they don't want to play if there won't be spectators at Whistling Straits. We also talked about the PGA Tour getting ready to start in two weeks and what is concerning the players most about the events in Fort Worth and Hilton Head, Hartford and Detroit. And finally, Steve and I talk about who would be the best athletes and celebrities to join Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the match three. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the take anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy to follow exercises, warm up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain free. Sign up today at golfforever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14 day trial. Now joining me on the aforementioned Four Press podcast is Golf Week and USA Today senior writer Steve Demeglio. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Taking it one day at a time down here in rainy Florida. That uh, rain that fell on the match two on Sunday has moved up to the northern east part of Florida and uh, just uh, going hour by hour, day by day. Lovely. Well, I can tell you that uh, up here in the northeast, it's finally spring. And I had a chance to play golf for the first time last Friday, which was great. I got out, walked 18, hit some terrible shots. I mean, god-awful stuff. Hit a couple good ones. A um, couple good bunker shots, which for me is is sort of a rarity. I don't usually visit the sand too much. I don't enjoy my trips there. Um, but I got into two greenside bunkers and hit two good bunker shots and got two sandies. So that was actually felt, felt kind of good. Um it's funny, I'd missed the preparation, like knowing the night before that you're going to play golf the next day. It was something that occurred to me as I was putting my bag together. I was like, oh, I'm playing golf tomorrow. And uh, a little, maybe an underappreciated sort of feeling that got me kind of jazzed up. So uh, are, are people in your area playing just as much? Do you Have you noticed a little increase or an uptick in the number of people that are playing? Or have things, for the most part in your area in Florida, remained fairly level and consistent? Pretty level and consistent. I mean, I've golfed twice, and I've been over to TPC Sawgrass, home to the Players' Championship, um, a few times to interview some players. Um, obviously, it's not at the same level as it used to be, but, um, you know, the other two places I went and played golf, they they were busy. We were going off every 12 minutes. Um, and we did have to wait a couple of times on tees, um, but that was very rare. But uh, golf carts, um, 
still are the, the name of the game down here. Of course, there are mm-hmm. some courses you can walk, but, you know, the majority of places that are open up here in the Northeast, you're in a golf cart. Because one, you yeah. know, the, the, the age group is a little up there, you know, with mm-hmm. the senior citizens. And two, the courses were built that I've been to uh, basically for real estate. And uh, it would take <laughs> it be a long time to walk it. So, um, but yeah, there, there, people are getting out. Um, I went to the back of the range looking for Billy Horschel, I don't know, I think a few days, a couple of days, three days ago. And there were like 12 professional golfers back there, um, <laughs> working. So, uh, yep. including Jim Furyk and, um, it looked like a normal day back there on the back of the range at TPC Sawgrass and, uh. I thought it was funny over the last couple of days, Horschel's been, he, he just finished on Monday driving from his place in Florida up to Aspen, Colorado. He was documenting that on Instagram and getting all into the drive. I think he woke up Sunday morning, it looked like or maybe around 5 o'clock or 5.30, and drove to, I believe, Kansas City, and then woke up really early on Memorial Day Monday and arrived what appeared to be late afternoon, early evening up in Colorado. And I guess that's where he and his family will be spending the summer. They've done that a, a few times. Um, but it, it's it's funny. It, it sort of reminded me that, like, yeah, these guys have families and, and stuff, too. And uh, Horschel's made his his money. There's no question about it. He won a FedEx Cup. He's a PGA Tour winner. Um, and here he is driving solo, you know, in the SUV, literally cross-country. How did you spend your Memorial Day? Driving solo from Florida to Colorado. Good times. Good times. Yeah, twenty. But twenty. He thought it would take him twenty-eight hours. I don't know what it was door to door, but it was north of twenty-five hours. So, yeah, yeah, it's well, a long drive. In a little bit of golf news, a couple things we can sort of talk about is we, you know, we're we've, we're about two weeks out now from the PGA Tour getting going. But for today, um, and we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Roy McIlroy's got a story, we've got a story I should say about Roy McIlroy in the Ryder Cup up on GolfWeek.com right now, where in an interview that he did with the BBC, he came out and basically said that, um, my hunch is that I don't see it's going to happen, it being the Ryder Cup, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think the majority of the players would like to see it pushed back to 2021 so they can get to play in front of crowds and have the atmosphere that makes the Ryder Cup so special. The players are the ones that make the Ryder Cup. If they're not on board with it, it won't happen, or excuse me, if they're not on board with it and don't want to play, then there is no Ryder Cup. Do you think that McElroy's opinion about the players not wanting to play if there are no spectators is is pretty accurate? I mean, is he, do, do you buy what he's saying, that most of the guys would rather push it to 21 if there can't be fans? Well, I think in a perfect world they would do that, but again, we don't live in a perfect world anymore. Um, but... Uh, I've talked to a couple of players. None of them are Rory. Um, and they're basically on the side of Rory. I would imagine that Patrick Harrington and Steve Stricker has talked to everybody, Mm -hmm. um, every player that could potentially be there. Um, and it's funny and, and it's not funny about a week ago or 10 days ago, I thought, you know, you know what? The first event that could have fans back could be the Ryder cup. Because the state of Wisconsin lifted its shelter at home. The Supreme Court of the state of Wisconsin lifted up their shelter at home restrictions. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, 
all the bars, restaurants were packed that night, you know, within hours after they uh, released their, their ruling. And so if that's the case, you could have fans there. Um, obviously, there would be very few European fans, um, and I don't think there would be 40,000 fans there. But, again, Agreed. they could have fans there. But, I, again, you know, Potter Carrington said this about, what now, a month and a half ago that, hey, we might have to take a hit for the team, you know, and that there are financial implications to deal with here. The European Absolutely. tour – you know, the European tour canceled one of its money makers. You know, they canceled till next year, postponed till next year. The uh, Well, they canceled the 2020 British Open Championship. Open. Um, and I don't know what their piece of the pie would be from this year's Ryder Cup, but I can't believe they'd be getting zero. Um, and that, that has to be played into this. Um, but if you don't have players on board, and honestly – you're putting them in a really tight spot because let's say they say, sorry, we are going ahead with this. We're going to have the Ryder cup in 2021 at whistling Straits in Wisconsin. And we're going to have it without fans. Now, which player is going to say, well, I'm not playing. I'm not going to play. And that puts them in a really, really bad spot. And so there better be, and I would imagine there are meetings right now behind door, closed doors um, as we get closer. And, again, they can't wait um, much longer. Um, if the PGA Tour season does start in 16 days and, or 15 days and there are no interruptions after that, you're going to be able to have some type of form to look at for the teams to figure out a way to fill out the captains to figure out a way to fill out their teams. And that has to happen first, because look at if colonial doesn't start or the, the PGA tour season is delayed another month or it's stopped for another month, then I can't see how they could go forward without form or fans. So, um, is, 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 does Rory's voice matter? Oh, yes. Um, Absolutely. Yep. And I think other players are going to chime in here and there. But uh, I think every one of them should be told, hey, guys, we're working on this. Let's give us some time, a little more time, to figure out which direction we're going to go. And then we can all chime in if you want. I think there's a there's a couple of really important points that fans may not be aware of that you brought up, Steve, and I think it was it was great that you did. Number one, um, we as this as media and and fans and people listening to this podcast selfishly want to see the Ryder Cup. We want to see golf. We've been denied sport for the most part for the last almost three months, and the Ryder Cup th- this year was set up to be so great. I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Between the four major championships, adding the Olympics in August. The Ryder Cup in September, um, it was set up to be a fantastic year for golf. Tiger Woods defending at the Masters, it was it was all going to be great. And a lot of that has been taken away from us. So the idea of postponing the Ryder Cup for an additional year so we can play it with fans to some people would be like, well, no, if we can, if we can safely have, you know, the match, which we just had with Tiger and with Phil and, and, the, and the quarterbacks and stuff like that, Brady and Manning. And we can do this thing, the event that we had the week before at Seminole, 
then in a few months, why can't we get 24 players and, you know, associate, you know, captains and, and stuff like that, get 40 or 50 people up at Whistling Straits and play this out, even if we can't have spectators. But the point that you bring up is that the European tour depends on certain things for revenue, for its survival. You know, they don't have quite as much sponsorship money coming in as the US PGA tour. And if there are no tickets being sold, if a lot of the corporate stuff isn't happening, if there are refunds that have to be given out, then that's bad for the European tour, you know? And I've been to, I've been to several Ryder Cups. I know you've been to a bunch. My first Ryder Cup was at the K Club in 2006, if memory serves right. And it was not a great time for the American team there. But the passion that you immediately see, the, the atmosphere that's created, um, it was replicated again at Valhalla in 2008. Um, I didn't go to the one in 10 in Wales, but then I was at Medina, unfortunately for the U.S. team. Um, you know, when, when, they, when they gave that one up, uh, other ones as well. It's the, the event, to, to Rory's point, in a lot of ways is made by the spectators. The matches can be great, um, but the spectators... It's, it's a big deal. I'm really torn. You know, I'm sort of dancing around all sides of this issue, Steve, but I think there's so much more to it than just can we bring in a few months the, the people together in order to hold the matches. I think that we probably could. Um, as you said, Wisconsin's already opening up, you know, a little bit more on the aggressive side than some of the states. Here in Connecticut, we're going very slowly. Um, New York is going to go slowly. It sounds like California is going to go slowly. Wisconsin's going to go more. Okay, it's up to them. Um, but it's it's there's so many more things than just balancing balancing out. Could you hold the competition? And I think it's really easy for a lot of people not to realize that it's the Ryder Cup is more than just the culmination of the matches, isn't it? There's there's a lot of stuff that goes into this and that needs to go into this. Oh. I- and I don't want to be Debbie Downer here or not, but there is no guarantee that 2021 would have tons of fans either. If you yeah. postpone this for a year, there's no guarantee that you're going to have your 40, 50,000 people there. There's no way we're going to do that until we get a vaccine or we get some of the greatest treatment that they have yet to get. On. I agree. So if that happens, and okay, I'll be the Debbie Downer. And there won't be fans allowed in 2021, or they're only going to allow, let's say, 2,000 fans. Now, a certain is that number of make fans a per hole or, or what, yeah. whatever it's going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I agree. So I, I have to. I, I 100% agree. That's the thing. They've got to put a lot of thought into this. It's not, it's not hey, you know, we're not going to play because there's no fans. Well, there's more into it than that. But um, so we'll see. I mean, again, what are we, uh, June, July, uh, four months away, about a little less than four months away from the Ryder Cup? Um, mm-hmm. Look, at, I'm just I'm just counting down the days right now until the <laughs> the starting line at Colonial because we haven't gotten well, there yet. We haven't yeah, gotten and let, there let, yet. Let, you know, so. let, let, let's, get, let's get to that. Let's, let's talk about that because you and I were both on the call with the PGA Tour a couple weeks ago when they outlined the plan for – testing the creation of basically the bubble around essential personnel and the players and the caddies um the desire to keep them pretty much away from just about everybody 
certainly anybody who's not been tested and sort of vetted, if you will, for for safety reasons and all that's good. From a player standpoint, I haven't heard many players take to social media or do interviews and, and basically say, I think this is the wrong decision, this is bad, and and I'm against the restart at the Charles Schwab challenge. Um, what what are you sort of sensing? You've talking to players if you're hanging out at the back at Sawgrass. I mean, it, it seems like guys are starting to get ready, and that this is going to happen. Are you? Is that the feeling you've got that that we're you know unless something really drastic changes here, and that's certainly possible, we're we're going to have golf in about two and a half weeks, aren't we? Well, it looks like that. But again, going forward, the app, there is apprehension. Um, Pat Perez has talked with ESPN about uh, his apprehension, but he's going to go play. Um, his intention is to go play. I've talked to other players. Their apprehension is basically testing positive in a foreign state, in, a, in another mm-hmm. state, and then having to quarantine. And is it really safe flying through a plane? A lot of these guys haven't been on a plane in a long time. Um, and then there's the other thing. Okay, we get there. Um, is there a number that if of the four, let's say 400 people, I think it's going to be around 400 people have to take the COVID-19 test um, before on the Monday as they arrive, before and on the Monday when they arrive in Fort Worth. Is there a number that would say, okay, we can't play if a number of people that test positive? Test and is positive. that number 10? Is that 20? You know, 5% of 400 is 20 people. And if 20 people test positive, and let's say eight of them are players, and they have to quarantine, what are we going to do from there? Um, so their apprehension deals with the travel and deals with the testing. Now, they want to do the testing. Okay, I take that back. Their, their apprehension is the travel and the possibility of quarantining um, away from their families. Um, so they are less apprehensive about getting inside the ropes. Um, they can social distance playing the game of golf. If you have go yes. out in threesomes, you go out in threesomes, that's six people inside the ropes. It's going to be walking score, that's seven. There might be someone designated that will handle all of the the pin and the rakes, mm-hmm. um, and that would be at each hole, so that'd be one per hole. Um, so there's six, seven, scoring eight. Well, I mean, it'd I mean, be really easy for them to have a, fewer than a dozen people yeah. on a hole yeah. that's between you know 200 and 550 yards long. Right. You, you, can, you can social distance and be safe out there. And they might have to warm up differently. They might have to warm up without oh, a gym. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they might have to dress in the parking lot um, because there will be limitations on how many people can be in the locker room at one the time. Um, and they're all looking into that. They're, they want to play. There's no doubt they're itching to play. And there's no doubt that their minds will be consumed with not only their yardage book and their form and their swing, but it will be consumed by getting to and from the golf course, getting to and yeah. from the, the, the rental courtesy car, um, then getting to and from each tournament. Um, it's an extra layer of things that people are going to have to think about. Um, the players are going to have to be thinking about. So 
right now they're ready to go. Um, they said there'll be enough tests there without taking away from the local communities, uh, tests that they would need. Um, and you know, Justin Thomas, I talked to him before the match and he said, look, we're all on board with knowing that there's no way the PGA tour would go forward with this unless they are a hundred percent confident that they can do everything in their power to limit the risk. You can't make it 100% risk free. It, you can't. I mean, if that were the case, nobody would be going to grocery stores right now. Yeah. You know, you can't, you, you can't, uh, guarantee a hundred percent safety and players know that. So, um, but they also know they, they've got to start work. They, they've, it's time to, they believe it's time to get back as safely as possible. And so hopefully uh, they will reach that starting line in Fort Worth at Colonial and hopefully they'll reach the finish line at Colonial and go from there. Have the, has the playing of the TaylorMade driving relief pro um, match that we saw at Seminole, and now the playing of the Tiger and Mickelson match at the medalist last weekend shown or given guys a little bit more encouragement, do you think, that to play or to that, that it can be safe? It sounds like enough of the guys who would be at Colonial or Hilton Head or coming up here to Hartford, et cetera, um, the guys are playing. People are hitting balls. People are starting to, to knock the rust off and they're getting ready for preparations. Has seeing golf on television from, from your guesstimation or any, anybody that you've talked to um, shown to them that, that you can do this and that you can be safe? Or as you had sort of alluded to, is, is really just the, the apprehension that they have when I'm outside the ropes? Am I putting myself at greater risk than if I just hang out for another three, four, five weeks here at home? No, it, it's comparing small apples to very large oranges. Um, let's see. None of the players had to had to fly to the TaylorMade match. Right. The only person that flew in um, for the match, Capital One's match, was Phil. We're talking a, a footprint of about forty people um, versus versus fields versus of one twenty or one fifty six or whatever it's going to be. At some of these events, right? Plus the caddies, plus everybody else, we're talking about 750 to 1,000 people. Yep. Um, so I don't think you compare a footprint of 40 people to a footprint of 1,000 and take anything away from that feeling better. Now, there was nothing that happened that made you feel worse or to add to your apprehension. But no, now, Colonial, now we go up to a much bigger footprint and a much um, you know, a, a whole different scale. And so it was great to see the players. I, and, and I think the players know, again, like I said earlier, once they get inside the ropes, they're going to be fine. They think they're going to be fine. Um, they're social distancing. They'll be fine. They've been social distancing now for the last two months for those who've been able to play golf on a regular basis for three months, going on three months now. Um, they've been already practicing that, um, you know, how do anybody's touched a flag stick and I don't know how long. So, um, again, once they get inside the ropes, 
I think they'll be fine. The juices will kick in. The competitive fire will take over. And it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a little different getting inside those ropes and then getting outside of those ropes. So I don't think the two televised matches swayed anybody's thought either way. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I can't speak about numbers uh, in Fort Worth and and how things are trending in the Dallas Fort Worth and in Texas. Um, I can tell you here in Connecticut, um, home of TPC River Highlands, which is going to be the third PGA Tour event site if if things go well. Um, the trend here is is in a good direction. Um, I've got an app here that uh, is put out by the state, and according to the app, uh, yesterday we had just about 405 people total that were new reported cases, and the trend line is 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 lowering. Now we've also had nearly 41,000 people in Little Connecticut test positive. Um, it's it's been something that, like everywhere else, is has done you know, an, an unbelievable amount of damage and, and caused, you know, an unbelievable amount of grief. We are getting better. Um, things are loosening up here. I think that by and large, people are being pretty smart in this area. We're very close to New York. So people are very cognizant of, of social distancing, but um, people are also really eager to get on to their lives. Whatever normal is going to be, they want that. Um, and I agree with you. I think you and I see a lot of eye on this, that we're not going to be where we were a year ago anytime soon. Short of a vaccine, I don't see how certainly Major League Baseball this summer, I don't even think aspires to have fans if they get a season going. I don't know how college football or the NFL puts 50, 60, 70,000 people, 100,000 people up in Ann Arbor, Michigan are going to show up. And, and, and pack those stadiums, I don't think those things are going to happen. Um, I don't know that we're going to have significant crowds at all at golf tournaments this year. You know, I, I think that we're going to have competition. Um, but I'm bringing this up because I think that the numbers are getting better. I think as hopefully the, the PGA Tour is able to keep the players as safe as can be, um, Hopefully the guys feel feel good enough about it, but I'm not going to hold one iota of grief or frustration with any athlete or caddy or member of the media or whoever who says, I'm not ready to go to a sporting event, either whether they compete, whether they work on the edge of these things, whether they go like us to cover it. Um, I would. Everyone's going to have to take their own time getting to wherever they're going to be with this and just dealing with the fact that we're going to have to at some point most of us start going back out of our houses and and doing things a little bit more and taking baby steps towards whatever opening up your bubble is going to be um we had some people over to our house 
keeping everybody at a safe distance for a barbecue last night. Um, it was family. It was 10 people and people sat away from each other in the backyard outside. And it was a safe thing to do. But that's more than we, we've done, Steve, in the last three months, you know? And, and so I'll, I'll get off my little soapbox here and, and just tell you that I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that they're able to play. I'm, I'm hoping that the PGA Tour can execute the plan that they've laid out because it, I think it's, it's as well thought out as I could have ever hoped it to be. And, but if I'm a player and I just don't feel that the time is right, I, that's fine. I, I, I'm cool with that. I, I think that each one of these guys has to look in the mirror and just be like, this is when I'm ready to go, then I'm going to do this, and that, that'll be that. Um, international players have it in a little bit differently. Uh, there's a story up on golfweek.com this morning about how um, international athletes are going to be able to enter the United States a little bit more easily. The acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, said last Friday, and basically that they'd signed an order that permits certain foreign professional athletes who compete in sporting events along with their essential staff and dependents to enter the U S um, travel restrictions have been a big problem with all this stuff. Basically he, he came out and said that uh, professional sporting events provide much needed economic benefits, both equally important. They provide a community pride and national unity in today's environment. Americans need their sports. It's time to reopen the economy and it's time that we get our professional athletes back to work and both the PGA tour and the LPGA tour were among the eight sport leagues whose athletes are now eligible for this travel exemption. Before you and I started recording this podcast, we noted that it doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't going to be needing to quarantine in the U S what if anything, and this is, you know, all sort of coming quickly at this point, do you anticipate that we're going to see players like Adam Scott, who's currently in Australia, Tommy Fleetwood, who's in the UK, um, you know, we've got Francesco Molinari in, in Italy. Do you think those guys come back or do you just think that they're going to probably take a look at 2020 and be like, nope, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in 21. We're not, we're not even going to see those guys. No, I think they're, they're going to sit back and see how the first few weeks go. If they go evaluate from there, and then you get this huge run. If there's no interruption, a huge run that, that would include three major championships, would include a WGC, would include the FedEx Cup playoffs. So right now, as Lee Westwood put it, and again, Lee Westwood's only played in the United States six times since the start of 2018. So he hasn't played a whole lot. But Tommy Fleetwood has also alluded to the same thing. If they, were, had, if they had to self-quarantine when they got to the United States, that's 14 days. If they had to self-quarantine when they get back to their home country, that's another 14 days. Another 14 days. So that's 28 days to come into the United States to play two tournaments? No. What they would do if they had to do 28 days of quarantining, they would come in if they were going to play seven weeks in a 10-week period. So I think they're just going to sit back and see how this goes. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, Rory McIlroy, world number one Rory McIlroy, um, he is going to have his his good friend, his his best friend, and his bag man, his caddy, Harry Diamond, is flying into the United States, and he's going to self quarantine at Rory's guest house down in South Florida. I can tell you that while these travel restrictions were lifted by the federal government, there are travel restrictions still put in place here in the state of Florida, um, where 
if you fly in from Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days in Florida. That's still the case here. That wasn't mm-hmm. lifted. There are still states that have their own self-quarantining restrictions. Those haven't been lifted. So, as I point out, Harry Diamond is going to self-quarantine in Rory McIlroy's guest house in South Florida. And it's because Rory is intent on playing the first three. His plan is to play the first three events, Colonial um, at Hilton Head and then up in your neck of the woods uh, at the Travelers. Um, And then I know he would love to play the Memorial, which would be mm, three weeks after that. And after the Memorial is the WGC event, so we'd like to play that. So it wouldn't be like Harry flying in, self-quarantined for 14 days. Roy's going to play a couple tournaments. Harry flies back, quarantines again for 14 days. It's not like that. There's a long stretch that Roy wants to play if the PGA Tour goes off uninterrupted. So as far as the other players, I I think they're going to wait um, because there is that long stretch of, first of all, to see how things go. Yeah. To see what 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 are the positive test results? What 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 are what happened if a player did test positive? What happened if a caddy did? What happened if a, a PGA Tour staff member did? What was the uh, what happened after that? So um, I think they'll sit back because uh, and it'll be tough for them. They're they're itching to go out and play, but oh, sure. um, there's a long stretch of great golf coming up, um, and so I think they're just going to wait for a long stretch where they could play six of nine weeks or seven of 10 weeks or eight of 12 weeks. And, um, and so I, I don't expect to see Tommy Fleetwood coming to the United States until maybe, you know, maybe July. It it sounds like like late, late July, like come in in mid July to play late July kind of a deal. Yeah. If he's, if he sees it's, it's starting to look good. Yeah. If it's looking good. Um, Let's finish off talking about where we might be going with the match. I, I was tickled. It's funny. I, I talked to a good buddy of mine who's out in Colorado, and I don't know what he was maybe expecting about it, but he was like, oh, you know, it was it was good. The banter was great, but the golf wasn't very good. I'm like, yeah, because Phil and Tiger are, are legendary, and pride is a powerful thing. I'm sure Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady – were feeling probably more nervous than they felt in a long time. Some miracle that, in some cases, Brady even made contact looking at his swing. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was great. I thought Barkley was great. I thought JT, uh, you know, was was really good. One of the best exchanges I've seen on any golf broadcast ever. When Phil Mickelson, I think it was either on six or seven, was explaining that chip shot. Um, the ball is wet. The ground is kind of skidding. I'm going to hit it in, into the grain here. That's going to knock off some of the speed that I would otherwise have. And then it's going to release to the hole. And then being the great, you know, short game guy he is, he pulls it off, ex- executes exactly what he had just described to us to what within a foot. Um, that was one of the best exchanges. I thought Justin Thomas was great. I, I loved the whole thing. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, and I know you are, uh, Mickelson wins the first one. Now Tiger teaming up with uh, Peyton Manning wins the second one. If we get the match three, there have been some names that have already been floated around that people would love to see. Uh, the names with Tiger and Phil being Steph Curry, who loves himself some golf and has played some events, Tony Romo, John Smoltz, and Michael Jordan. Um, I'll put this one to you. Do you... Who do you think would be the best of those four 
in terms of getting things going and, and would be the most entertaining. But then part two, who do you think they could actually get to, to come on and, and compete in, in, a, in a match three? Well, the first name in right now of those four is Jordan, Michael Jordan. Um, one, he's re- one, he's retired. Um, so it, depending on when they would play match three, if they would play it in December or if they would play it in November, that goes up against the PGA Tour. So I would say it'd have to go probably December at the earliest. Um, and they could be playing basketball then. They could be playing baseball then. So Steph Curry would be out. John Smoltz would be out. Tony Romo would be out. So that you have to take into consideration. Um, but match three, I mean, you start with the biggest name, that's Michael Jordan, um, and he's a player. Um, we also know that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were players, and then you put them in front of those cameras and you put them alongside <laughs> Tiger and Phil, and, yep. you know, stuff happens. Um, but I would go MJ to begin with, and after that, it depends on who's available. Um, I don't know if there's a big enough name in entertainment that's a good enough player. Um, I know back in his day, Jack Nicholson would have been great. Um, I don't is, know if Mark... Is Justin I, Tim- I know that Justin Timberlake has played a bunch. He's played the Pebble Beach event. Obviously, yeah. now we're coming from entertainment, but I don't know how good a stick he is. He's good. I mean, <laughs> we watched him one year at Pebble Beach. He chipped in on 16. He almost aced seven that day. He came like an inch away. He chipped in on 16. He made another birdie, I think, or chipped in again on 17. That was all in the same round at Pebble. Um, he can play. Um, and he's played a lot of golf with Justin Rose down at Albany in the Bahamas. Uh, Mark Wahlberg can play. I don't know if he's on I was on, just thinking of him, yeah. The, Wahlberg's, I don't know. Wahlberg plays a lot in L.A. I don't know if he's on the same level as, as Justin. I do not know. Um, but they might have to go to, to the entertainment world because – the conflicts of the other professional athletes and the other like Smoltz would be announcing and Romo would be announcing. Um, but, uh, you start with Jordan. Well, first of all, you got to get Phil and Tiger on board. You get them on board and then you go to Michael Jordan. Uh, Hey Michael, if you, if you were somebody and you were putting together something and somehow you got Jordan on board first, is there any way that, the Tiger and Phil don't say yes if like you like hey look we've already we've already talked to Jordan's people Michael's on board with this he he said I'm retired I would love to do this let's let's you know I'll, I'll put up whatever for charity myself I'll get Nike to, to pony up some charity some other companies I'm like we can handle that Michael's in are you guys in there's no way they say no to that is there no and of course Phil's not going to say no to anything. And something just popped <laughs> in my mind, you know, popped in my, how about team Nike against team Callaway? You got well, Michael Jordan, you got Michael right. Jordan and Tiger Woods against Phil Mickelson and Annika Sorenstam. There you go. Now yeah. that, that would be, that could be something. Um, and I, I, look, I'm not going out on a limb here. Annika is still better than Michael Jordan. Oh, but, she, um, she can, she could play in her sleep and, yeah. and, and take Jordan. So maybe you look at that angle or, you know, you call Lexi Thompson um, and you go from that angle. And I know I've seen, uh, let's go all four professionals, JT and Tiger, 
you know, Justin Thomas and Tiger against mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson and Ricky Fowler or Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth. If they go that way, we would rob ourselves of one of the best on-course analysts we've ever seen in Justin Thomas. <laughs> so if we, have a ma- if we have a match three, I think match two ran into too many voices. They tried to get too many people involved. When, they, when it was just basically the four guys and Justin Thomas out there, and and Barkley weighing in, and Trevor Immelman was outstanding. Yes, he was. Um, yep. And so I wouldn't add voices, but I would certainly do everything in my power to get Justin Thomas back out there because he was brilliant. Um, well, what we and, learned is clearly they, they learned from the shortcomings of the first match that there wasn't just enough banter back and forth between Phil and Tiger, that during the broadcast – you had DraftKings odds on who's going to win the hole and all kinds of different things are going on. So they played up the gambling and the fantasy angles more. And by having, you know, you, you can balance it out with you, you needed more voices, having the players mic'd, having the players be able to hear what the commentators are saying. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. that was all great. It was, it was a really, really, it bummed us out. I think everybody out that the weather did not cooperate. If we could have had a little bit better weather so that the rain really wasn't a factor the course plays a little bit better, but even with the limited number of cameras and stuff, they clearly looked at what did what didn't happen in the first one that we needed last week at the TaylorMade Driving Relief. What 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 did we see that maybe was lacking that we can sprinkle in a little bit more of, and then go on. They, they there's room for improvement, but the improvement that was already made was oceans. It was oceans better than what we had had before. And to me, Steve, it just reinforced the idea that. Golf as a format for entertainment for people is is fantastic. It just there's enough time between shots. There's enough tension that gets built up. There's there's the theater of the match itself, and everybody reacts differently. Hall of Fame, four Hall of Fame athletes hanging out, and everybody is playing different roles. Phil gets to be the showman and and chatty and 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 to play that role. Tiger is just pounding one fairway after another, and is is there. Peyton Manning exceeded my expectations a little bit. I mean, that that par three, he got some really nice shots, hit some loose ones, hit some good ones. And then Brady, you know, who who couldn't find the earth, and then all of a sudden he pitches in from wherever that was and gives it to Barkley. It's like there was a player that every all of us could identify with. Everybody, and it was it was great. There was enough time, there was some humor, there was some learning. It was it was one of the better things. And I'm hoping that we get match three. I'm hoping the PGA Tour and the other golfers are out there. It's like, hey, this is we're starting to get close to a formula that can be successful that we could put wherever. You know, forget these wonderful world of golf matches. Let's mix and use golf as as the medium for these entertainment products, whatever you want to call it. I think people tune in. They certainly tune in now because we have no sports. But I think later on, when sports starts to make a comeback, people will still tune in. Well, if they just don't do too many of them. And yet, you can have too much of a good thing. Um, yes, yes, you can. So, at most, one a year. Um, I just don't want it to go away. I guess is what I'm saying is that once we sort of get to the other side of and wherever we're going to be, that we've clearly stumbled on something that you can create if you did one or two of these things a year. So, you, to your point, keep it special. Make sure that the mix of people was right, that the venue was right. And have the money go to a good cause because nobody wants to see millionaires playing for millions and keeping all the millions. And in this environment, that's not going to happen. I, I'm no no doubt of that. But um, 
it, it was great. It had people who had nothing to do with golf enjoying it. And I think if you get the right mix, um, we can do it. You going to peg it up this week? You going to get there and play, or are you going to be working for a living this week? Well, I'm working for a living. Right now it's supposed to rain all week, so I don't know. No, we'll that see. makes it easier. That, that'll make it easier. Listen, Steve, I appreciate you coming on the Forward Press once again. Thanks a lot, buddy. You betcha, big man. Anytime. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.